Alright, so good afternoon everyone and welcome. This is Twist Gaming where you get to play board games with us. This is our Great Game Hunters podcast. We go through the ins and outs of Kingdom Death Monster and uh, divulge some strategies, some inside looks, and some lore background. But first, who are we? I am Matt as per usual and I'm joined with Josh and Fen. How you doing fellas? I'm good. How are you guys? I'm alright. Yeah, and you Matt? You alright? You know, I am managing, but I'm super duper excited because we are back at Great Game Hunters and uh, finishing up the Manhunter expansion. Uh, we started that the last time and we were able to get through a sizable chunk. Uh, is there like a two minute recap that either of you want to do just to catch everyone up, uh, refresh their memory? No, I could do that. Well, we went through the um, introductory event and agreed that it's really cool and gives you great fighting art. Uh, we um, went through the showdown and agreed that, like, just the way it looks and is set out is fantastic. It's, it's great fun. Um, the rewards are, uh, that, that you get are pretty interesting. We're going to be talking about those in detail this time. We went through the hit location deck and noticed that this is one of the few monsters that can punish you for critical hits, which I approve of thoroughly. Um, Zenith left early, which was unfortunate because really uh, he was just getting nothing but praise. And that's what it kind of boils down to, the AI as well. It's just a great expansion. It's, um, it's pretty much all good, I think. I don't think we had anything bad to say about Manhunter. Uh, aside from maybe some minor gripes, which I can't even recall off the top of my head, I think it's just glowing praise across the board from all of us here yeah. at Great Game Hunters. Yeah, yeah. It's a fantastic expansion. And definitely one of the first two Nemesis monsters I would get if I was picking the order I'd buy things in. Um, yeah, it, it definitely does add a lot. Yeah. And so this time we're going to be looking at the timeline events. Um then the gear, which are, they're both quite sort of linked. And then we'll be talking a bit about some builds and things you can do. And because we're into the expansions, we'll be talking about how the expansions interlink. And this, uh, apart from the Gorm, is one of the first ones that's sort of hev heavily linked with um, the Green Armor set. So we'll probably have a little talk about that as well, as it's, as it's used in the building the Green Armor. And I think you've uh, made the Green Armor like once or twice, right, Fen? Uh, seven or eight times now. I made it three times in one campaign for, for shits and giggles. Just a little excessive, if you ask well, me, in the best way possible. I made it once and then looped the timeline and went, well, why not make it a second time? And it turns out to be a lot easier to make it again if you've already got it in the first place. Uh, and it, none of it's unique. So this after the second time, I was like, I'll do it a third time because I can. And then it just kind of was, I was like, this is a little silly. A short of somebody falling down, um, cracks in the ground and losing the entire armor set. There's nothing really challenging because the boots are heavy. Well, I hope it's a good feeling that you broke the game. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what is first up to the plate today? Right. I believe first up is what happens if you lose to the Manhunter, um, which is the defeat condition adds lottery to the next Lantern year on the timeline. Uh, and this is uh, a big part of the Manhunter's theme. So, uh, if somebody like to, somebody have access to the book? Uh... Yeah, I got it in front of me. Great. So we got lottery. The Manhunter is pleased with how easy it is to call your settlement. It returns to claim a survivor for an unknown purpose. The settlement gathers to draw lots. Um, so then draw lots, and then choose to rebel or obey. Um, so you draw lots, you roll a d10. One through two, give me your greatest hero. If possible, nominate a survivor with a secret fighting art. Otherwise, nominate a survivor with the highest hunt XP. Uh, three through four, give me your smartest. Nominate a survivor with the highest weapon efficiency. If the settlement has collected 12, though, uh, use give me a slave result instead, which I'll talk to you what that is in a minute. Um, give me your mightiest. Nominate a survivor with the highest strength. Is a five or six. If you have accept darkness principle, it's give me your smartest re result instead. So you keep your strong people and you give them your smart people because you don't care about your smart people. Uh, seven or eight, give me your child. Nominate survivor with the lowest hunt XP. Uh, nine plus, give me a slave. The settlement nominates a survivor of their choice. So if you have collective toil and accept darkness, then you can give them a slave pretty much on a three, four, five, six, nine, or ten. Correct, Fen? Uh, correct, yeah. So then... Uh, 
you can either rebel, which is stop the settlement phase for a special showdown with the Manhunter, or you obey the nominee survivors taken away, remove them from the settlement, do not gain the benefits of cannibalism, death principle, and lottery to the timeline two lantern years from now, and the Manhunter provides the settlement with payment. Roll D10. So uh, the payment table, one through t- two, is gain a love juice. Uh, three through five game, a love juice and a random basic. Six through eight game, a love juice, one random white lion resource and one random screaming antelope resource. And nine plus gain one love juice, uh, one random white lion, one random screaming antelope, one random phoenix resource and one iron strange resource. So you can get some iron and stuff. That's cool. I've, I've, yeah. We've never actually done this. We've never lost the no. manhunter. So I, I, <laughs> we, we don't know this event. <laughs> no, no. Um, so, like, first of all, what I like about this is uh, we've got collective toil sitting in there uh, with benefits. Like, if you've got collective toil, norm, you've got, what was it, four options where it's basically you get to choose who gets taken away, but you've got two that take the lowest hunt. So a settlement with collective toil could actually work under the lottery system quite well. And when you look at the obey table, you know, you could be rolling on here. And if you think about it, otherworldly luck applies to this. So you could be using this as a way to get White Lion, Screaming Antelope, Phoenix, and Iron resources. You could just, uh, theoretically, for one campaign, fight the Manhunter the first time he turns up and throw. You know, just be like, okay, uh, he's beaten us. Fine, we're going to do a, a settlement faced in lottery. Also, could be interesting to just play a campaign where you start off in the first Lantern year with lottery going on, like, as a house rule kind of thing. Yeah, I was just um, thinking that. That'd be a fun house rule, like, Campaign where the manor comes like once a year just to take someone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could be very interesting. I also like the way this punishes you for accept darkness because general conventional thinking is accept darkness is kind of the min maxes power gamer's choice because it protects your survivors and they last longer because brain damage becomes far less relevant. In fact, brain damage becomes almost irrelevant if you get an almanac on somebody with accept darkness. Um, so it's nice that this. This camp, this expansion encourages collective toil, and I actually think that's interesting. And I wouldn't, I, I'm sure um, Travis from Tech Raptor was talking about a campaign um, idea he was kicking around to do with the Manhunter. So maybe like there is potential to create a campaign where you could have a, a lottery going on constantly, a settlement culled by uh, Manhunters all the time. So something for somebody to homebrew maybe, and get all that iron nice and early. Uh, overall, yeah, I haven't really experienced this much. I think the other things that are interesting is that this doesn't stop later Manhunters turning up. Um, they're still going to appear on the timeline, and then maybe you end up with a lot of like lottery going on. If it lands correctly, I can't remember exactly on how the timeline works with it. Uh, and also, you do get the benefits of graves, which is interesting. No cannibalize, but you do get graves. So, yeah. Ugh. All right, so anything else on lottery? Yeah, not really. I mean, apart from that, it's very similar to uh, the hand uh, with the inspection um, and the armed strangers as well. So it's going to be familiar to people who play people with lantern um, if they do experience it. But as we kind of noticed last time, and you guys just said, it's not a lot of people lose to the Manhunter on a regular basis. It's quite a fair, well-balanced um, expansion, and if you're prepared for it, you usually don't have too much problems handling a Manhunter, at least the level 1 and 2, um, certainly aren't too bad, so uh, this is kind of like a neat little thing that I haven't experienced much myself either, but it sparked some ideas. I think it's time though to look at the uh, the very thing that makes the level 4 Manhunter so frightening, which is he turns up in the settlement in advance of the showdown and digs a load of pits around the place before revealing himself. So let's uh, have a look at the Death Pit event. Death Pit. All right. You may spend four survival to avoid the trap using lightning fast reflexes. If you do, the exertion is uh, the extension is exhausting and you're knocked down. Otherwise, roll a d10. Um, if you have the tough fighting art, you get plus two to result. And if you have the transcendent masochist fighting art, you get plus six to result. So if you have both of those, you get plus eight. And this isn't that bad. Um. All right, one through two, you fall sideways onto a spike, brutally skewering yourself, suffer three severe body injuries, and bash. So that's, that's ow. Yeah. Uh, three through six, uh, 
As you descend, you twist to make your armor take the brunt of the impact suffer. Bash, bleed to, and remove all armor location, all armor levels at one random hit location. The hit location already has no armor levels. Suffer a random severe injury at that location instead. So, possibly an owie bleed. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, up to four, you know. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Or dead. Uh, seven or eight, you tumble. Into the space between the spikes, miraculously unharmed, shocked and horrified, you climb out, screaming all the way up, gain five insanity, and the, um, I'm going to pronounce that incorrectly, arachmophobia? <laughs> no, uh, achmophobia. Achmophobia disorder. Um, and which disorder is that? No sharp items? Uh, it's a fear of sharp things, yeah, so it's the no, no, no sharp. swords, daggers, axes, stuff like that, right? Yep, uh, it's it includes like it's not really relevant for the game, but there are also a lot of people who have this who are afraid of stuff like um, needles, pencils, sometimes even the sharp end of an umbrella, corners on furniture, or even some people don't like pointing fingers. So it's a quite a quite a crippling phobia. So that is a house rule right there where you're not allowed to use a pencil for the game anymore for that character. Yeah, and you can't point to anything on the board. You just have to use crowns. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and nine and t- nine or ten plus. You land on the spike mouth first. It ruptures the back of your throat and your teeth send off sparks as you bite down hard. Noisily grinding to a halt before it se- se- severs your head. Determined, you climb out of the pit with the shattered jaw of your injury. Gain the eternal will secret fighting art. Yep. So, um, do we have the eternal will secret fighting art? I have... Mislaid mine, actually. I'll get my fighting arts open now. I got it right here. Cool. It's pretty hardcore. Uh, it you know, is. Catching yourself by the teeth. It is. This is this is grim, this result. Although, interestingly, I think most of the drawbacks of it uh, can be negated by wearing dragon armor. Because that the headpiece fixes your jaw like while you wear it. Hmm. So uh, this is the Eternal Will Secret Fighting Art, and it gives you plus one permanent accuracy and strength, or plus one accuracy and strength for each permanent injury that you have. And then you may always depart even when retired. That is fun. It's a shame you can only get that in, like, Lenten Year 4. Lenten Year, was it 20? Oh, I can't quite remember. 22. That's a really cool fighting art. Like, very thematic. So you go and you fight the hand and you get all the broken ribs? (laughs) <laughs> and yeah. then you get respect yeah exactly so he doesn't heal you you have 80 million broken ribs and you hit everything on a 2 plus with your fists yeah yeah that's a heck of a heck of a secret fight you know it's one of those ones a bit like the Gorm one that feels very hard to ever encounter but uh, damn is it cool well the, th- the cool thing is that like if you have uh, tough you get plus 2 to your result so that makes it even harder for you to kill and see your injury. So you're going to get more permanent injuries. Yeah. Um, and then there's, of course, uh, the um, Transcended Masochist fighting art, which I believe you can get. Oh, people who've just listened to the previous episode will know for sure, but I think that there's, there's a way you can get that while fighting the Manhunter. It's really good um, fighting art anyway. It's one I enjoy. So uh, the transcendent masochist there is when you gain a bleeding token, gain a survival, survival and an insanity, and ignore the effects of acmophobia and apathetic disorders. Ignoring apathetic is why I really like it, because apathetic is, has ruined the career of many a promising hunter. Uh, remind me what apathetic is again? Uh, you can't gain survival. Ah, uh, yes, that is quite it, atrocious. It gets cured, I think, if you get to a certain level of courage off the top of my head i think it is but uh yeah have, having access to this is just huge for that kind of thing um it's not the best of the manhunter fighting arts and when we look at them well we all know which one the best one is it's the first one you get but um it's probably the second best yeah this is a this is a cool event and i i like the theme i like how deadly scary it is i also like that it has um you can spend four survival to avoid it so it's not like automatically fall in this pit and have this nasty stuff happen to you, It's uh, you could could negate it, but for survival is a lot, even in Lantern Year 22. like That can be a, a bit of an ask, especially if the death pit crops up sort of middle to late part of the fight. Yeah. yeah. All right, so up next, uh, let's talk, start talking about the rewards we have for Manhunter as the other stories are tied with those. 
Yes. So our first reward uh, for beating the level one manhunter is the reverberating lantern. Um, I want to do settlement watch real quick first because that's the ooh, first thing you get. We should. Yeah, that gets put on top of the settlement deck, doesn't it? So you're more you have the option to innovate it. Right, and yeah. so that's the uh, the text there is the group realizes the settlement needs better protection. If the settlement does not have it already, place the settlement watch innovation on top of the innovation deck. This assures it will be drawn from the deck if the group decides to innovate. So it doesn't give it to you straight away. It gives you the option to take it if you want. Yeah. Um, it's kind of nice, this, because there's, um, at least until you get the point where your survivors are starting at their first age milestone when they get born, this gives you the option generally to get a random fighting art. Um, or for those settlements that haven't taken survival of the fittest, they have the ability to gain plus on strength. Again, it's kind of giving you a chance to play with the softer kind of settlements, protect the young, collective toil. The Manhunter kind of supports people who want to play with that style. It's by banding together and watching out for your neighborhood. Mm. Yeah, those are neat spears, aren't they? They're a lot nicer than the, the lion or the king spear. I like the lady on the end. She's got a cracking helmet as well. They are quite fancy looking. So it looks like she's got something in her hand there. Uh, could that be the reverberating lantern? Uh, I think it's just an ordinary lantern because the reverberating lantern's got that bit of the look of like a storm lantern, you know, with the uh, shutters. Yeah. So that is the first reward, though, uh, for defeating a level one manhunter. You're going to gain the reverberating lantern rare gear. And then the rest of the text there is roll a d10 on a two plus. The survivor that dealt the killing blow gains tough. Yeah, which is great. Tough's a great fighting art. Uh, the reverberating lantern has an up green, a right blue. It's an item, tool, and a lantern. Um, being a tool kind of like... Uh, almost could be interesting, but uh, this la- this tool doesn't do that much. It's unique, so you can only ever have one, even if you loop your timeline. At the start of the hunt, before an event is revealed, you may sonorous rest, uh, limit once per hunt. So, uh, uh, would uh, what would you like to, Josh? Would you like to um, read through sonorous rest for us? Because this is a great event. All right, so this is once per the hunt. You can do this. So, sonorous rest. The survivors activate their reverberating lantern. It's unsettled and vibration causes headaches, but drowns out all sound within its small area. The group can now pause safely while the lantern remains active. Each survivor has time to either rest or tune. If you rest, you plug your ears and do your best to relax, sleep, and let your body restore itself. Gain plus two survival. Gain an additional plus one survival for each green affinity you have. Uh, Tune. Sleep is for the weak. You stare into the darkness and become one with the reverberations. Gain plus three insanity and gain an additional one insanity for each blue affinity you have. So that's mm-hmm. the base thing. And then uh, there's two extra things depending on the innovations you have. Yeah. So first up, if the settlement has innovated War Room, the survivors use the vibration to cancel – cancellation – Cancelers to allow they them, use vibration cancelers. Yeah. yeah, to allow them to be more productive within the reverberating area, they prepare in silence for the upcoming battle. Each survivor may do both of the following: repair up to D five points of armor damage suffered during the hunt phase, or remove one token gain during the hunt phase. So that's really nice. Yep. Uh, do you want to stop and talk about war room real quick? Uh, I think we could talk about everything all together because there's a number of sort of applications for this. Uh, oh, the, oh, you mean the innovation war room? Yeah, let's talk about war room while, we, while we're here. All right, Matt, you want to read that off for us? Yeah, just waiting for it to uh, pop up in my window right now. There it is. Uh, so war room is going to up your survival limit by one, which is always nice. Uh, and then a dangerous room of plans and tools. Quarries cannot move off of the hunt board. And if survivors would move backwards on the hunt board, roll a d10 on a four plus, they don't. And then you can endeavor here as well. So spend an endeavor and the hunt team makes a plan. The group may re-roll one hunt event table result uh, this lantern year. They must re-roll performing, before performing the event. Uh, so get, you get to re-roll one of your D100s that you roll uh, when you are hunting. And this looks like it stacks as well. So if you wanted to, if you, uh, if you have a nasty hunt coming up or a long hunt and you want to make sure you don't do anything silly, you can stack a couple of these if you so desire. Yeah. Yeah. It's um it's a nice thing to have to have rerolls on the underbent table. Especially uh, if you run into some of the particularly nasty ones, which is, you know, like the you die F you. Yeah. If is the same with the plane of feet, yeah. Things like that, yeah. Although there's still no re roll in the harvester. 
Why do they hate instruments so much? Because they cause too much joy in people's life, Fen. Yeah, that's true. All right, so the last part of Sonorous Rest is if the settlement has innovated storytelling, they put on a play with Shadow Puppets. Roll 1d10. Um, 1 through 2, the play is terrible, nothing happens. 3 through 6, the survivors are amused and relaxed a little in each game, plus 1 survival. 7 through 8, the play is nothing more than a joke, but the silent smiles and unheard laughter warms their hearts, and each survivor gains plus 1 courage or plus 1 understanding. 9 plus with the... Reverberations drowning out all sound. The group shares a wondrous moment, inspiring them for the upcoming battle. Each survivor gains one random fighting art. Yeah. So, I mean, to running through all of this in full, Sonorous Rest is just a fantastic event to be able to trigger. Uh, usually you want to trigger it after Overwhelming Darkness, um, if you're going that far in. And it's great because Overwhelming Darkness often just guts your survival. Um, so having the rest ability to gain two survival and usually a few more because most people have extra green uh, on their grid because um, everybody likes having active monster grease for plus two evasion. Uh, it means you can get a fair amount of survival back. And the tomb one's nice. It's less needed, but it can be good for somebody who's suffered brain event damage and you're going up against the Gorm or something else that's going to cause a lot of um, insanity. But on top of that, you've got two less sort of popular innovations i mean war room is as you've seen it's decent but it's not high priority however the bonuses in here are great healing repairing damage fantastic but the gate removing a token that's like directly beneficial with the forest gate so if you're hunting spadiculus or the flower knight you're generally going to get tokens so you can get rid of one of them here or after you pass through the gate and i mean let's face it story the, the, the puppet shadow play is just there's no downside to doing that Unless you have three really good fighting arts and you don't want to lose any of them, you know. It's uh, this is the, the the lantern itself doesn't do anything during a fight, but it doesn't need to because it does so much for parties that are going on long hunts. It's definitely one of my favorite support items, one of my favorite hunt items. Absolutely, that's one of the ones where when we get it, we make sure that someone always has it, and we trigger it typically like right before we fight the monster. Yeah. All right, so that was everything that we get from the Reverberating Lantern, correct? Correct, yes. Uh, I mean, it's just a good item. Just just, just good. It's not overpowered. It's about right for the reward for beating the level one Manhunter, and it's definitely something that you tend to use for most of the campaign. Absolutely. Uh, so then for the level two Manhunter, the reward that we have is gain the Hunter's Heart Rare Gear and then roll a d10. On a 2+, the survivor that dealt the killing blow gains the Abyssal Sadist Fighting Art. Ooh, yeah. So we've talked about this uh, in the previous episode, but Abyssal Sadist is the first time you wound the monster each attack, you gain one survival and one insanity. So as long as you can wound each attack, you effectively have unlimited survival, so you can surge and dash with quite a, a reasonable amount. Also, you get to ignore the effects of Fear of the Dark and Prey Disorders. Fear of the Dark is an absolute pain in the butt because it makes you retired. And I can't remember. Is that Prey is... Uh, do you have a copy of Prey up there? Is Prey the one where you're always considered a threat? I uh, think so. I'm not 100% sure, though. Oh, um, give me a moment. I, I have a list of all the disorders that I can pull up. Uh, uh, just quick be- note on one thing about the Lantern. It is, does have the Lantern keyword, so you could use it late game yes. for people with the Lantern. Okay, pray is you can't spend in survival unless you're insane, so it's problematic, um, but workable around, so having the bit to avoid it is, um, isn't too bad. And yes, you're absolutely right, it is a reverberation lantern is a lantern, um, for, for post watcher, which is so great. Alright, so let's talk about the hunter's heart, the other cool new gear you get for level two. All right, so the Hunter's Heart, uh, this is an item consumable metal, which is interesting, and heavy. It is unique, so you can only have the one. If you die, the heart crawls back to your settlement. Roll a d10. On a 7+, it regrows you. During the settlement phase, you may archive this to do the Bleeding Heart story event. So it it gets gets you a freebie, a redo on your character, if you die and you have, if you roll a 7+, back at the settlement. But Josh, what's the Bleeding Heart event? Uh, before we get to that, um, if, if you come back to the settlement and you get cra- cracks in the ground, does the heart fall in the cracks because it's heavy? As a joke? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I don't. Uh, I, that, that's, I, I, I don't even know how to work that out. Yeah. 
It cracks in the ground, man. I think Pooch just wanted to make this uh, heavy metal. I don't know why mm-hmm. he didn't just do the keywords that way. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. The heart crawls out of the cracks in the ground. All right. So Bleeding Heart. The story event may only happen once per campaign. The player with the biggest sweet tooth nominates a survivor to inspect the heart. That's a... <laughs> that's an interesting, fun little uh, bit of fourth wall. Yeah, that, that's a weird role there. Yeah, why? Why not? I mean, you've got like storytelling in this game, you, you know, with the uh, the weird dream and things like that, and the um, when you have got single survivor with the a single is it the the one you, the survivor's dream of being controlled by a single person and think weird big people. So it's not the only thing, but yeah, that's fun. All right. So uh, you expect the heart. The survivor clutches the strange metal heart. Its cold face emits a regular vibration, twitching each time its corded veins secrete a sparkling crimson liquid. They sense a heaviness about this object beyond mere weight. Something about it is indescribably old and sad. Fascinated, they cannot help themselves as they begin to obsessively dismantle the metal heart, systematically removing its plating as they slide apart its shell. They gasp. A human heart, just like theirs, this is, this is the human, um, beats weakly within. Its swollen arteries are connected to metal spouts onto the vice's inner walls. The horrific contraption ignites the survivor's imagination, smashing the seal on their darkest thoughts. They have a confectionery crisis and gain the crimson candy innovation confectioners crisis yeah so the before we look at the crisis we should probably look at the um innovation the crimson candy innovation which um i've got to admit i've not ever made this for the simple reason that i always tend to use the heart to make the um green gloves so (laughs) I've, i've never done the crimson candy i probably should at some point um the art on this is rather odd-looking. Yeah, it is. Uh, so at the start of the showdown, each survivor gains monster-level survival, star survival. Uh, and you can also um, endeavor here to do Crimson Cannibalism, which tells us everything we need to know about what those red and crimson vials are that the Manhunter carries around. Um, on a 1, you get shakes for a minus 1 permanent accuracy. On a 2 to 6, you have a sugar crash and skip the next hunt. On a 7+, the crimson treat burns your ribs and, treat, and sinuses, healing interracial hem, inter, sorry, intracranial hemorrhage and gaping chest wound. Um, well, that's really good to get rid of an intracranial hemorrhage because that thing is another one of those um, injuries that can destroy a hunter. Like, just they stop, survivor just stops being able to hunt where they have um, an in, in, intracranial hemorrhage. I, it's just a weird, weird innovation. <laughs> It is. It's it's pretty cool, um, but like sixty percent of the time, it doesn't. It's garbage. So this is the kind of thing you'd be using with a survivor who isn't going to be going out hunting anyway. I mean, I'm not sure I'd bother using it to cure gaping chest wounds specifically, but if I had some with an intracranial hemorrhage, I'm pretty much done with them hunting anyway. So I mean, if they get the shakes a ton or have to skip the next hunt, who cares? Um, the start of the showdown gain of survival, though, is quite potent. I mean, that's another way of dealing with the fact that on overwhelming darkness and long hunts, you generally shreds your survival a fair bit. So, I mean, this is definitely, like, better than the heart, I think. I mean, the heart's cool. Don't get me wrong. You could build a fun character who's, like, got the green charm and this heart, and they, like, have the... You know, was it very unlikely to die, or if they do die, they can come back from the dead. Um, but I think making the crimson candy is is probably the better choice if you're not making the green gloves. All right. So, what are the three things we could do uh, after that whole event? We have a uh, medical consumption. Overwhelmed with curiosity, you carefully dismantle and reassemble the device, learning its incre. I can't speak. Incre. I'm not even going to try anymore. Intricacies. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> As it snaps together, it squirts, shooting concentrated fluids directly into your eyes. Rubbing them clean, your eyesight is improved. Gain plus one permanent accuracy and plus one understanding. There's a small amount of fluid left. Heal all permanent injuries for up to two survivors. Now, that, that last bit's really nice. It is. It is really nice. Um, yep. Yeah, then we got the transcendent ore. 
The Manhunter's inhuman upgrade excite you. You connect the device cords to your own chest. Brushing the heart's surface, you see every, you feel every sensation. The small hairs on your neck quiver in anticipation. With a deep breath, you rip the weak heart free of the device and consume it. The pain and anguish are exquisite. Gain plus three permanent strength and the transcendent masochist fighting art. Which we already talked about. Plus three strength. Not that useful, but for people who like playing daggers, like extra strength is very important to be able to use daggers properly. So interesting. And then we've got the uh, raucous tradition. All right. So if you have cooking innovation, you distill the Manhunter's blood into hooch. The settlement will now... Uh, commemorate the end of each lantern year with a round of potent crimson candy beverages, resulting in headaches, vomiting, good cheer, and bad so- singing. Gain plus one permit luck and increase the settlement survival limit by two. Sounds like a normal Saturday night. Yeah, uh, plus one permit luck's great. The increase of the survival limit is just handy. Um, so, I mean, here's the question, guys. Which one of those three would, would you go for? Assuming you have the cooking innovation. I want to make some hooch. He'll go for the hooch. It, I think it depends. If I have a survivor that was had a permanent injury that needed to be healed, I do medical. Otherwise, I do the hooch. Yeah, it, it depended on yeah. the settlement. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I agree. Yeah, I think like obviously plus one permanent luck is super good and it's fun. Um, and cooking is something worth having a bit more often now in one point five with the changes to cooking. Uh, but yeah, the medical compulsion to be able to bring like. Uh, plus one permanent accuracy is fantastic. And then, like, healing permanent injuries on two survivors can be massive. Yeah. So, uh, what's your take on this uh, story event can only happen once per campaign if uh, if, if you loop with a, um, a Phoenix? Resetting the timeline, is that a new campaign? I think it's the same campaign, just a new settlement. Yeah. But you technically start a new campaign sheet or settlement sheet. No, it's not a campaign sheet. It's a settlement sheet. So, yeah, I guess it's once. I mean, I guess maybe you're like, oh, we played with this heart. We're good with it. We don't need it anymore. I, I don't know. It's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, ultimately, I think inspecting the heart and getting the results from this is, is the second best use for the heart. The first best is, is green gloves. Um, but it's it's still, this is, like, interesting and fun. I kind of... I like that it's select a result. It's not roll randomly, which is a nice change because I, I, when he first said confectioner's crisis, uh, I, I looked over and I was like, oh yeah, you select. You don't, you don't roll. That's, um, that, that's different to normal, which is, is great. Um, I, I wish this kind of stuff could happen a bit more, really. Like, this is cool and interesting. But yeah, that's the level two Manhunter Ward. Um, either, Getting a heart that can bring somebody back on a seven plus, and or giving you the crimson candy innovation plus a one-off bonus of your choice from three options, or getting a pair of green gloves from the green armor. So that's the level two. Moving on uh, to level three, which I think is the one that most people really love. Uh, it it doesn't have a lot of text here, but it does say tools of war. So Josh, yeah. what's the tools of war story event here? Uh, this is the panda story. Um, there, there's a picture of a panda in the corner of this one. Is there really? I don't recall the image. I'm putting it up on stream real, real quick. Oh yeah, a crying panda. It's kind of it's a scary Hell panda, yes. but it's it's a panda. Oh well, yeah, it does suggest that pandas are in um, in the world of Kingdom Death somewhere. So you know maybe maybe you guys want to put together a custom monster. It looks like two halves of a panda that were sewn to something else in the middle. Yeah. Part walrus, part panda. All fun. <laughs> All right, so, Josh, what is this story event? The eldest player, so we got some more uh, kind of selective players, uh, nominates a victorious survivor to be the veteran and search the corpse. Mm-hmm. Search the corpse. The veteran notices something heavy, shaped Strapped to the Manhunter and removes a large multi-pocket pocketed belt. Gain the tool belt, rare gear. Which we'll talk about after the event because there's a lot to talk about with this. The veteran s- spreads the tool belt out on the floor amidst the many vicious implements. A small toy seems out of place. Its crude appearance 
and signs of wear lend it to a certain charm. Veteran reflects looking past the toy at their own experiences and draw strength from their sadness. They gain plus one permanent strength and the seasoned hunter fighting art. That is whenever a random hunt event result is doubles, as in one one two two three three and so on. The event revealer gains plus one understanding and plus one courage. So it's a uh, it's a nice sort of passive um, fighting art, but it's not like one of the ones you're going to be super blown away by. But you know, getting to max understanding and max courage can be very beneficial. The veteran leaves the battlefield. The Logistic chill filling them with a soothing haze of wonder. They grimly understand the meaning of war and gain the war room innovation. Very happy to get it for free. Freebies are always well welcomed. Yeah. And then we have understanding the meaning of war. Roll a 1d10. One or two. The settlement decides to put their small trinkets, trophies, and mementos on display inside the war room. As everyone is distracted, fussily arranging their personal treasures, a survivor with sticky fingers pockets two of the manhunter's relics, a clay mixture, and a small bag of unidentifiable powder. The best treasure is the one no one else knows about. Nominated survivor, they gain a hoarder disorder and a random fighting art. Boo, I hate the hoarder disorder. (laughs) Only because it rhymes, right? Yeah, that and um, obviously it steals resources from your hunt party uh, for a minor benefit. So um, this is definitely a booby prize, but there are worse ones. At least it doesn't kill the person and they can enjoy their unidentifiable powder, perhaps by laying it out on top of the mirror, maybe. It's a speed powder from the antelope. Yes. Mm. All right, uh, three through five. During the first War room meetings, a survivor suggests the monster might be from an organized society. The tools seem somehow standardized as if they were all crafted together in large, in a large batch. The survivors point out two identical sets of small sewing kits to further prove this point. Nominate any four survivors to gain plus one understanding each. Yep. So this now again indicates the manhunter is coming from one of the two, one of the organized societies. We've got two. It could be, could be the great to city where the great game hunters come from a um, roll credits or it could be the golden city where the holy lands are i favor towards the holy um city uh, the golden city of the holy lands because of other bits and pieces that i've talked about before but at the moment we don't have an answer to either one and zenith was very coy about answering yeah and uh, then finally on a six plus the survivors gather within the war room to award a notable survivor with a poorly made trophy Nominate survivor, they are recognized as a hero. The ceremony raises morale and the survivor gains the trailblazer fighting art. In addition, they have, if they have the afraid of the dark or prey disorder, remove them. Yep. So trailblazer is the hunting party may start the hunt phase one space closer to the monster and at the start of the showdown, all survivors gain one survival and up to one insanity. Um, which I guess suggests that's maybe optional. You could not gain the insanity if you don't want to, which seems like a reasonable interpretation, doesn't it? Yeah. I would think the maze for the one space closer and then everything else is... Yeah, uh, well, the maze the is optional, but it says up to one plus one insanity. So, oh. yeah, yeah. Totally. I guess you could you could choose zero, yeah, if you don't want the insanity. Can um, you choose negative then? <laughs> I don't think you can. Can you have a party with four of these and start four spaces mm. closer? Ooh, you probably could, yeah. Or even five or six. <laughs> Start par. Oh, how, how, that's quite far in, actually, on the hunt board. Overwhelming Darkness is five spaces now. Oh, uh, I think it is. Actually, I can answer that. I took a picture of the hunt board last night. Uh, one, two, three, four, five notes to six space in. Um, yeah. So five you could start your hunt right away on an early level monster, technically, if you want yes, to. Yes, I guess... Yeah, with three of these against the level one, or is it four? Yeah, three or four. Yeah, depending on the way the monster's positioned. Yeah, you could basically ambush it straight away. I don't know if it counts as an ambush. There's probably that's normally what happens if you, if you get to land on the on the monster space, but there's no rules here, so I guess you just skip the hunt. Yeah. All right. Um, the other thing is, if you get a seven plus and you have sculpture, um. An exquisite trophy is crafted. Nominate the survivor most deserving of the trophy. That survivor gains the trailblazer fighting art and is celebrated as a hero. Remove the afraid of the dark and prey disorders from all survivors in the settlement, not just that one. 
Yeah, so that's a little bit of an extra bonus. Although it's not often that a Fred of the Dark and Prey stacks up that much in a settlement. Still, you know, it is something to think of. You like if you've got several people who are afraid of the Dark and Prey, and you've got the level three manhunts coming. Sculpture becomes something that you should prioritize trying to make because you get quite a few of your um, survivors back without having to perform um, brain trepanning from the barber surgeon. So yeah. I love this event. So shall we get on to the other part of it then, the tool belt? Yeah, let's talk about the tool belt. Yeah. This is a terrible gear item, right? It's absolutely garbage. I mean, it's so bad that like the, the 1.5 update has removed part of its functionality. So, you know, that's that's how awful it is. Um, the tool belt is a item metal fragile with an up blue and a right green affinity. So the reverse of the inverse of the reverberating lanterns colors. Let me it pause you for a second. Ben, uh, I believe it's fragile. It's Italian. Oh, hang on a minute. F- fragile. Fragile? Fragile. Fragile. Okay, fine. That was uh, a little offensive. Um, right. Uh, it's unique, so only one of them in the settlement. If you have uh, no weapons in your gear grid, you gain plus three evasion. All tools in your gear grid lose frail, which that's the bit I was referring to. Uh, the 1.5, the tools you, that used to be frail are no longer frail, so that bit doesn't do anything anymore for now. Tools with attack profiles gain plus one speed, plus three accuracy and sharp. So all of a sudden your sickles and your pickaxes become very effective, very potent weapons, although they're not actually weapons. The only drawback from them is that you can't train a weapon mastery with them because there is no mastery for tool tools because they're not weapons. This is like the centre of quite a lot of builds, this. Um, so to briefly run through some of the things, uh, the, the most stereotypical and well-known one is putting this on an Acanthus Doctor with, along with a pickaxe uh, and stacking evasion up uh, even higher alongside uh, Monster Grease to get somebody who's got five evasion just from their gear. Um, we, uh, we did that in one of our earlier campaigns, and it was yeah. absolutely ridiculous. It was. And the pickaxe is chosen over the sickle most of the time because originally in 1.3, removing frail from the pickaxe was better for the mining and the mineral gathering event. And also the pickaxe is of more benefit versus the dung beetle knight, which is the tool belt plus the pickaxe becomes one of the primary ways that you deal with the sentry carapace in against the dung beetle knights. In particular, the level three dung beetle knight. Um, it's very nice to be able to hack at it with a tool belt with a pickaxe. Um, the other less often used build is to actually take the tool belt and use it with a Sunstalker item, the Shadow Saliva Shawl. Now, the Shadow Saliva Shawl gives you um, extra evasion. It's plus three evasion um, if activated fully. We'll talk about it more when we get to the Suns- uh, Sunstalker expansion. But it gives all weapons in your grid slow. Tools are not weapons. So... You've got a build you can make where you can have stack tons of evasion, like plus six evasion. You can't use monster grease with this because you can't have monster grease and shadow shore saliva in the same grid, but a lot of evasion. And again, you can use a tool to attack with. Um, on Cyclopean armor, this is like an incredible survivor. They're really powerful. Like po- probably, in my opinion, more powerful than the Acanthus Doctor in general terms. Not in specific ones because the Acanthus Doctor is pretty broken but you know um so so it's great and there's there's more things every time a tool gets released with an attack profile you can look at the tool belt and come back to it and go okay well now what can i do with this tool i don't know if we get like uh something from the any of the inverted mountain expansions that are coming in the future that are tools and you know why wouldn't you get like maybe a um a pick for climbing with or something an ice pick it's possible um this we can call back to this and do things with it so this is one of my favorite unique items in the game, easily. Josh, how about you? What do you think about this? Toolbelt's fun, especially for like evasion belts. Like you get this, you get um, what's the uh, max courage, max understanding? Which which one is it? Oh, the story of Lay- the hairless. Yeah, Leyland Walker. Leyland Walker, and uh, you could do some silly stuff with it. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's another thing I didn't mention. Of course, it's great on leyline walkers, and then you, you know, you can. Um, oh well, how much you can probably stack up to leyline walker plus shadow saliva shawl. That's nine evasion. 
Yeah, that's... grab yourself some crystal skin in there too, maybe. Yeah, yeah, crystal skin, maybe a shield. I oh, know shields are weapons, so they won't work with a tool belt. I always think, I always forget, shields will work with leyline walkers, but not with a tool belt. Yeah, but hmm. I don't think you need armor if your your evasion's nine. Not not it, not if you're defending. If you're attacking, sometimes you do need it for certain reactions. But yeah, so. It's a damn fine item. I mean, I think we can all give the tool belt a thumbs up. It's probably one of the best um, single rewards from a nemesis in the entire game. Definitely one of the most fun. Yeah. All right. So, so what happens when we beat a level four uh, Manhunter? No. It's, uh, beating a level four Manhunter is um, eh, something that... Well, I'm not sure many people have done because it's, it's Lantern Year 22. It is uh, the only non-legendary level 4, but you get the Death Pact rare gear, and each survivor may gain a fighting art of their choice, which is, uh, like, let's face it, choosing your own fighting art, that's that's the dream, isn't it? I mean, so many survivors have the gear, but they're missing, like, one key fighting art to, to get their um, build to properly sing. So everyone roll up and beat your level 4 Manhunters for it. Uh, the item itself, Death Pact, is a item metal fragile. Is that acceptable, Matt? Uh, yeah, as long as you make a note that it's Italian. Okay, yes. Um, it's unique. Uh, at the start of your act, you gain plus one survival. Uh, once per campaign, you may fire the gun to automatically hit and inflict a critical wound. So once per campaign, you get a founding stone that you don't even have to spend an activation for. Additionally, this has a up blue and a right red affinity. Now, um, this is one of those deceptive items. Um, basically, you can look at it and be like, well, it's just a source of extra survival and a once per campaign founding stone. Eh. Well, the truth is, gaining one survival per act is incredible. It's, like, really good. A number of things that are worth noting in that is... One such combination you can do is you can use Death Pack to gain the survival. You can spend the survival into the Spider Silk Boots from the Sunstalker expansion, uh, sorry, the Spediculus expansion, to gain extra insanity. And then you can use that insanity with the Phoenix Placard to ignore hits. So that's just one thing you can do with it. You can also just use it for surging to gain blocks. You can activate blood paint with it via surges. Uh, there's a having an, an effectively unlimited trickle source of survival is very powerful. The only shame was that you get this in Lantern Year 22. But hey, People in the Lantern has expanded the timeline to 30, so now we've got more years to play around with Death Pact and do some really crazy stuff. Uh, it's also like, really good with Thrill Seeker, so you get two two survival turn. Oh yes, absolutely. All the dashes, all the surges, oh. all the survival actions. Yes, you may do everything you wish. They get double dash on there as well. Why not? Actually, that, that could be something you could do, because um, Momentum plus Double Dash uh, plus this will give you a lot of Momentum tokens, so that you can hammer with a lot of extra strength and luck quite regularly. So there we are. There's something else you can do with it off the top of my head. It's a, it's a really good item. And uh, in one of my looped campaigns, solo campaigns, I did take a Death Pack back to the start of the campaign just so I can properly play around with it and experiment with the things you can do with it, and it is a lot of fun. Although Fragile is annoying. Um, there are events that directly destroy Fragile gear, so watch out for that. Uh, and then I believe we have one more item we should probably... We, we, did we talk about the Manhunter's Hat in the previous episode? I think we did, didn't we? We talked about how you get it. We didn't talk about the hat itself. Okay. It's, it's pretty. It is pretty. Uh, it gets its own... You've got three heads that come in the uh, expansion. Um, that you can uh, stick on your own survivors so you can have them wearing the hat. There's a male, a female, and then there's one with the Manhunter's face. So if you want a survivor who looks just like the Manhunter, hey, you know, there you go. You can have, uh, you, you, you two can have Mr. Ugly in your settlement. You just can't have his sweet abs. No, you can't have his sweet abs. You have to have a six-pack, not, not an eight. Um, this is a two-armor head accessory. It has got three affinities, up red, left red, down blue. It is an item, it is rawhide, it is leather, and it is unique. And as I mentioned, it's an accessory. It has an ability with a puzzle blue plus a red affinity, which is ignore the first head severe injury you suffer each showdown. Which is like, let's face it, head injuries, they, they kill you on a one, two, three, or a four. So ignoring one of those is pretty damn good. Um, 
I believe as well, and this is sort of one of those things that's gone back and forth. Adam mentioned in uh, an interview somewhere that he this was supposed to have outfit originally. Yeah, is that correct? To, yeah, it was supposed to have outfit on there. Yeah, I mean, has he officially ruled that it should have outfit? I think so, but that it might just be from one of the through the vines on Twitter or something yeah. like that. You know. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take the hypothetical situation that it does. Um, it, it does have outfit on it. This has an interesting extra little wrinkle. Um, so leather, you got leather set, yeah, right. So if we wear leather without the hat, uh, sorry, without the mask, and wear the hat instead, right. So we got full leather set on. We get the leather bonus, correct? You with me? Yep. Okay. So now put a tabard on there from the Vagabond expansion. So now you've got a... You can wear an accessory in your head. You can't wear a armor piece in your head. So now you've got a Vagabond set and a leather set on. So you get the Vagabond set bonus. So... Okay. Yeah, there you are. Two armor sets for six slots. And it definitely will work, because as was pointed about one of my Patreons, you can wear a full rolling armor set and a Gorm set and get the set bonuses from both of those. God knows how you attack, because that's nine slots. But, you know, you have to punch everything, but you can do it. So, there you go. If you want to, you can combine the leather and vagabond sets into one and get all the benefits of leather and all the benefits of vagabond and have a really cool swordmaster with a neat hat. A fashionable swordmaster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you get, what, like, uh, just in the head, you'll have four armor. Um, and then, like, in the body, you'll have, I think, six so it's it's pretty it's not like top end tank set but it's definitely better than your average mid-game armor set and has a lot of extra abilities yeah that's that's pretty solid and beefy right there it is well, they it just is. take the what the black sword from gorm and destroy it <laughs> yeah well yes exactly yeah vagabond black sword stick a beacon shield on there because you know why not and off you go yeah solid solid build great item um, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to check, because if Poots has officially ruled it has outfit, um, which would be great if you guys could get, like, the official word from them, then, you know, we can do that. But, I mean, heck, I'm going to do it anyway if I get the chance right now, because, you know, through the grapevine, uh, it's good enough for me. Uh, yeah, so that was all the items. I think we've actually looked at, we've looked at all four of the fighting arts as well, haven't we? We looked at the, everything. Uh, the only thing we didn't look at is the uh, strange resources that we get during the fight. Yes. Just yes. Real quick. Yep. So these are the uh, vials, correct? Yep. Full of that sweet, sweet candy-making liquid. Mm-hmm. Right, so Matt, yes. you want to do this? Yeah, just waiting for it to, to show up for me. I'm on a little bit of a delay here in front of the image. Uh, I'm re- there we go. Red vial. This is consumable, and uh, you may consume and archive this to remove two bleeding tokens and gain a survival. So, super bandages. Yeah. Um... This generally you could only kind of use during the Manhunter fight unless you are going to take it out in a satchel. Think you can carry it in a satchel? I can't remember. I'll look that up while you talk about the Crimson Vial. So that was the Red Vial. I mean, use your imagination as to what you think that is, but... Uh, crimson the, Candy. Yeah. Uh, waiting for the red, the Crimson Vial to show up there. Yeah, I, I can confirm you could take those vials out in a satchel. It's you may depart with one resource card. So, yeah, that's the way you can take them out after the Manhunter fight. Okay, so the Crimson Vial here is actually an iron consumable. So uh, we don't know what red liquid has iron in it, but, you know, who who knows? Uh, but you may consume and archive this to remove all of your bleeding tokens and any severe injury of your choice. That's uh, it's pretty nice. I like the decanter bottle it's in. Yeah, yeah, it's it's nice looking. Um, you get you, oh, it's iron as well, so, hey, it's... That's cool. The this is definitely... injury is like top notch, though. Mm, it is. This is a good one to get. It, this was from critting the. Was it the groin? That sounds right. The yeah. Second groin, right? Ooh, it could be. <laughs> you have to crit the groin and crit the groin. I'll um. I'll the mangled. Check now. The mangled groin, right? Yeah, mangled groin. Uh, we are. Let's have a quick look at the hit location. Where are you, Manhunter? Uh... This is definitely one that, like, is nice to keep a hold of in the settlement, and you probably, well, it has multiple different uses, which is fantastic. Uh, Yeah, it's a good emergency recovery for uh, healing up one of your survivors that got an unfortunate severe injury that didn't kill him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Here we go. I will tell you right now. 
Uh, no, the the mangled groin is too red. Str- yeah, it's the gritty belt. It is. If you crit the gritty belt, it's not the groin. Um, yeah. So you got to knock it out of one of his pouches from his tool belt with a crit. His Batman utility tool belt. Yep. Yep. And then chug it quickly, and then try and crit it out of there again. His <laughs> chat has said, "Grow your crushed genitals back in no time." <laughs> That's a disturbing, like, TV infomercial right there. Kingdom Death Universe. Oh, God. All right, so is that all of the other resources that we can get from the Manhunter? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much everything you can get from the Manhunter. Really? I mean, it is a a decent amount of stuff, and pretty unique stuff, too, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, it's surprising that considering this is an expansion that has, what, two strange resources, five items, and then just a few disorders and a few uh, fighting arts... It's got a ton of content based around this and a lot of theme and a lot of great ways of getting things. And all of these items have a a lot of impact. Every single one of them has something unusual about it, or at least like Death Pact, the hat and the tool belt can do exciting things with your tool grid, with your gear grid. Reverberating the lantern is just so good that I think you take it out most of the time. And then toss in the fact that the actual showdown is super solid. Uh, yeah. This is, you know, A++. I mean, I especially love the uh, the, the way that the level 3 becomes more dangerous with the addition of the stakes to the hit location deck. And then the level 4 gets the death pits. It really feels like a ramping up of difficulty and interesting. And it's another one of those um, kind of like level high level fights where you you can be tempted to jump someone into that pit to try and get the secret fighting art you know it is it's not like all bad to go in there so so you're you're saying that with the level 3 manhunter that the uh the stakes are raised yes yes i am uh, they are very much raised and you know if if i had a tool belt i would hit you with it right now for that one and if i had a hammer i'd hammer in the morning yeah there is no hammer yet. Maybe we'll get one soon. That would be lovely, wouldn't it? I That would be lovely. I've always had a thing for playing characters with war hammers in games. Yeah, yeah. We haven't really got a proper hammer anyway yet under the club section. I mean, the Thundermall is as close as we get. It's not really one either, is it? Be cool. I mean, <laughs> it's a take on the Thor hammer. Uh, but is there anything else that either of you gentlemen wanted to cover in terms of the Manhunter? No, I think I've talked about the interesting stuff in builds. You can, you know, hinted at the stuff you can do Death Pact, which I recommend people experiment with. Talked about the unusualness of the Manhunter's hat and how cool it is and the tool belt. So all I can say at the end of this is that Zenith knocked it out of the park with this one. This is an incredibly good expansion. And it is a toy cost whether I prefer this one or the Slender Man as as to be my best and highest rated Nemesis expansion. Maybe even highest rated a reoccurring nemesis. So, yeah. That's pretty high praise right there. All right, jo- Josh, is there anything else that you wanted to add? I think we hit everything. Where I think it's, it's a fun a fun expansion. I'm actually kind of sad we're not using him in our current campaign. I know, I know. I just started a new campaign on Thursday with my friends, and basically, like, I was really thrilled when they were like, let's put the Manhunter in, because I was like, yes, it's great. And then they vetoed the Lion Knight for reasons. <laughs> So uh, before we get into our sign-off thing here, is there any other anecdotes maybe you want to say from your personal games? Any funny Manhunter stories? I pretty much provided the um, the one in the previous episode, which is where we first ever encountered the level 2 Manhunter for the first time. And his very first card was Dirty Fighting, so we ripped every single pillar up and just trashed everyone with it. Uh, it was um, pretty brutal, and that was the end of that campaign. It's one of the few campaign failures I've ever had, as it was one of our first experiences in the game. And one of the first times I encountered Manhunter. Which is extra amusing just because the Manhunter is typically a manageable, uh, you know, nemesis. And yeah. just, just having it wreck your entire settlement is the funniest thing ever. When you're not prepared for him grabbing six pillars and smashing everyone with them, it's uh, it's a bit of a shock. Yeah. Um, how about you guys? You know, I never really realized that the hat could be supplementary to the... Uh, or rather a replacement piece to the rawhide and the leather armor. It just never clicked with me yeah. that you could do that. So that's that makes it even better. It didn't have the outfit keyword printed on there, so that's why it wouldn't have probably wouldn't have clicked with you. But now outfit is very much a part of 1.5 because the uh, the oxidized lantern helm has outfit. So it's 
you know, it's it's right in there. It's got the keywords, so you know, let's go. Should be um, it, it should be fun. It's just it's another reason to try and crit farm him a bit to knock that hat off. Okie doke. So thank you all for joining us this evening for our presentation of the Great Game Hunters podcast. Uh, next on the docket, what monster are we going to be talking about? Uh, well, we said we would try and alternate a bit with Nemesis and Quarry. Nemesis and Quarry. We're going to have to do two Nemesis in a row at some point, but we're going to do a Quarry next. So could you, could you remember what Quarry it's going to be? Anyone? I, my memory is shot, but... Uh, oh, Matt. You, you're very fond of this Quarry. I'm fond of this quarry. Give me one more clue, and let's see if I can figure it out. You generally carry a piece of gear from it if you're given an option. Are we we talking about the Flower Knight? We will be talking about the Flower Knight. Oh, that's exciting. It's been a hot minute since I've played against the Flower Knight. We haven't had him in the last couple of our campaigns. Yeah, people have been robbing the Vespertine bow from you. It's very unfair. It it, it hurts a little bit uh, deep down on the inside. It's okay. Hopefully the guys can get you an ink blood bow. Uh, from the Sunstalker, and you can enjoy my personal favorite bow. You know, I was looking at it, and that's part of the reasons that Josh and I were uh, complaining to you on the pre-stream that uh, it's a little hard to make a gear, and we were trying without much avail. I was actually trying to make the other uh, Sunstalker the bow. Sun, the Sunshark bow, yeah. It is a little tough to, to make, but it's very powerful. like very A lot more powerful than it, it appears because of various bits and pieces with it. But yeah, it's... um. I, I hope you guys sort it out, but I'd say, you, you know, if you don't want to grind the Sunstalker on the stream over and over, you're probably going to want to go to a level two. And a level two is a bit of a step up because the minions are there in force, the shadows, the shades, but um, I, I think you guys could do it. Yeah, I think we're getting to a point where we're comfortable with our gear and I think we can uh, start making leaps in, into the difficulty of the monsters. Yeah, yeah. Of, the, of all the level twos, the Sunstalker is kind of like a gentle step up, as opposed to when you think of the Dragon King and the Dung Beetle Knight are like a bit more of a steep step up. So it's, uh, plus it's my favorite showdown, like easily, thematically. Yeah, so uh, I, I do hope you guys, you, you do get to um, uh, go, uh, have a go with the Sunshark bow, because uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on it when we finally talk about the Sunstalker. Absolutely. Uh, so everyone, please stay tuned. Uh, coming up, or no, Feng, you already did your giveaway, right? I did. I did. Uh, and uh, we did it in the pre-show. And um, if he's listening uh, in the uh, records after, Monty Lewis is the winner. So I will be contacting him tomorrow to let me know. And Josh, are we doing our giveaway at the end of the stream today? Uh, no, we're going to do our next giveaway on Tuesday. Okay, fantastic. So, guys, thank you again for joining us. Uh, join us for our next Great Game Hunters podcast, uh, where we will be starting to talk about the Flower Knight expansion. I'm super excited about that. Uh, but please, yeah, me too. Please, guys, follow us on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, we are Twist Gaming. And uh, chat with us on our Discord channel, where the party never stops. Fen, how about uh, your stuff you want to plug? Oh, yeah. Well, you can find me over at Patreon at uh, patreon.com forward slash fenpaints. And it's the same name for Instagram. Um, And that's the two primary places you'll find me. But also I'm in the Lantern Light Discord, which is from the Reddit. Uh, I I do February chatting there. My own personal Discord is linked off my Patreon. It doesn't have a nice, easy um, code name. It's a bunch of random letters for the invite because stuff. But yeah, um, that, that... my Patreon is the main place you can catch me. And I would like to point out that uh, if you guys have watched us play Twitch Plays Kingdom Death on our stream, all of the painted minis that we have, uh, Fen has so graciously provided us with. And I got to say, they all look gorgeous. So big props for that. Uh, you're, you do amazing work. You really do. Th- thanks, Matt. Thanks. It's, uh, it's kind of you to say. And you're doing a sale for some minis right now, right, too? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm selling off a few of my personal uh, minis because of circumstances have changed, and I got some duplicates that I've painted that are available for offers. Um, there is a public post on my Patreon that people can have a look at. I'm I'm sort of keen to if people have already got the model unassembled or unpainted, and they want to um, like get a paint, basically get a pre-painted commission. You you can say I'll, I'll you know give me an offer, and I'm taking the highest offers on these. Uh, there's a Sunstalker, Flower Knight, Gorm, Dragon King, um, uh, a Screaming Antelope, a uh, Kingsman, and a Hand, I think, and a Slenderman. That's everything that's on there that's available. 
So yeah, and also I I do take commissions as well for things. So many phoenixes. Is that your most popular? People people really like to have the phoenix painted. Um, uh, which you know it is a very impressive looking model. I just wish I liked hunting it more. Really. Well, you do like to new game loop with it. Yeah, yeah, I know, but that's more like I keep it in there as a tool for new game loop, and then I maybe hunt it once for a crest crown and once or twice for an arc bow, and then I go fuck this, <laughs> you know. But we talked about the phoenix in a previous podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, and uh, before the next great game hunters podcast, if you want to catch up on some of your Kingdom Death fix, uh, join us for Twitch Plays Kingdom Death on Tuesday at eight p.m. Eastern time. And you can uh, roll ones. Oh, lots of ones. So many ones. Uh, am I missing anything, or is that it? I believe that's everything. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time, folks. This is the uh, Great Game Hunters signing off. I'm Matt. I'm Josh. And I'm Finn. Good night, everyone. Good night. And have a nice weekend. Boop, boop.